And lads, this is, same as our Maldi, this is a psychological confrontation here. They want to win the game line. They want to get over us. They want to stand their authority on us. Same as Maldi, same as Scrum. We don't let it happen, lads. It's an insult to us if they gain an inch here, a metre here. Welcome to this week's rugby podcast of Action Replay Extra Time. I'm joined in studio by Jack O'Toole and Darren McGowan. And Jack and I have just returned from the launch of AIG's Rugby Weekend. We sat down with Charles Peter and Stephen Ferris, head of this weekend's game in Soldier Field. Jack, are you looking forward to the game in Chicago? I'm probably looking more forward to it than I think Stephen Ferris is. I don't think he's. I think he's. He's a bit skeptical of Ireland's chances, uh, as, as I think we all are. But I think. It's interesting to see because it's it's an Irish squad that I don't think is going to be full strength. I mean, obviously the omissions there are pretty glaring with Sean O'Brien and Peter Manning, who are both working their way back into injury. But it's it's a very much an Irish team that's in transition. Um, I had a look at the team that was playing in 2013, the team that famously lost by, I think, what was it, two points? Yep. The the famous last-minute Ryan Crotty try, try, which bailed out New Zealand for an undefeated season. I think that... that Irish team had about 10 players that just came off the Lions tour off the successful Lions tour in yep. Australia and there's only 9 players that are left from that squad so obviously there's no more Brian O'Driscoll there's no more Gordon Darcy O'Connell. there's no Paul O'Connell yeah there's a lot of players that are missing from, from that team um, so it's I'm very interested because and then also this All Black team is just an absolute juggernaut it, I think it is I, I don't even think there's a shadow of a doubt of an argument like this is the best rugby team that I've ever seen in my life. It's it's. I think the average winning margin this year is twenty seven points. Like it's it's, it's insane. It's ridiculous. Uh, we'll talk about uh, O'Mahony and O'Brien later. But Dar, what are your thoughts ahead of the game this weekend? Uh, well, it's going to be a bloody tough game. First of all, I don't think that needs to be said. But um, th- that team in twenty thirteen that we went down by two points to in the Aviva Stadium, that was a team that I thought they can't get any better than this, and they bloody got better. <laughs> I don't know how that's even possible. Last year in the World Cup, they still had the likes of Richie McCaw and Manu Nanu. And I thought, again, they won the World Cup, back-to-back World Cups. They can't get better. Next year, they're going to be on the decline. They have to rely on their newbies coming through the ranks now. And you look at them now, and they're actually stronger, which is actually terrifying. One area on the field I thought this Saturday we could probably dominate is if Devin Toner and uh, Ian Henderson have been playing we actually may have had a chance in the second row because I know Sam Whitlock or Whitelock and um, uh, Brody Retallick or Retallick, however you pronounce it, are not going to be playing in Chicago. So that could have been an area that we could have dominated. Uh, and now with Ian Henderson, of course, being omitted, uh, Olsen Delan is going to be coming in. Uh, he doesn't have much experience. He played pretty well against England in his opening cap in the Six Nations. So hopefully he has a, a, good, a good game in uh, Chicago. Well, while we're on the second row, you said there, Dar, that Whitelock, Retallick... Uh, Luke Romano, who was promoted into that squad, who is also now missing. Uh, all these players are out. Do you think the line-out's in the area that we can exploit with the likes of Devon Toner? 
that, uh, it's something that I thought we could, but at the same time, it could really go either way in that their young players, as I said, coming through are equally as good and they're going to be players in a few years time that will probably win another World Cup at some point in their career so it's really hard to say um, actually have they announced the uh, All Blacks team to play? They haven't announced it but the only remaining locks in the squad are Patrick, Patrick Tuipelodu who is a, a big guy but he's no line out forward uh, of any remarkable quality Scott uh, Barrett's been brought in brother of Bowden and he's played some games for Super Rugby Crusaders and he looked good last year he played against the Highlanders in uh, Dunedin and he looked good, but again, nowhere near the same quality as Whitelock and Retallick. Yes, there's a conveyor belt, but Whitelock and Retallick are is one of the strongest pairings. Absolutely. That's and, what I was thinking. And one of the strongest aspects of the All Blacks game. Yeah, with their omission, it could be, you know, their um, weaknesses are strength, in a sense. So if Devin Toner and Ulton Delan have a good game, hopefully. And you, you weren't even predicting Ulton Delan, you're pre- predicting um, Ryan. We were talking instead, about that. Yeah, uh, Keith Wooden made a very good point that. Your starting 15 isn't as important as your finishing 15. And for that reason, I'd have Delan coming off the bench. So I think, I. yeah, Dunica Ryan. Uh, I know, Jack, you want to see Delan in the starting team, but for I'd, this game, I'd, I think. I'd actually like to see Billy Holland, to be honest. Yeah, because really? I, I, I think he's been calling Munster's lineouts for a while now. He's, he's captained in the absence of Peter Martini and both C, and CJ Stander for Munster. And as well, he's the top tackler in the Pro 12 this season. You're going to be versing an all back team who's going to have a lot of the ball. So having the top tackler on the Pro 12 wouldn't be a bad choice to have in there considering how much defensive work Allen they're going to have to do. So I, to be honest, I think Dunica Ryan, I haven't been impressed with him over the last couple of years, um, especially in the Six Nations against England. I thought he really wasn't at the races. He's, he's you know, he's, He's he's just getting on. He's he look he looks like a bit he's a bit banged up. I think Billy Holland personally is getting around the pitch better. I think he's got a much higher work rate, and I think he's yeah I think he's probably as good as a liner jumper as well. So I do think, but I think back to your point earlier on. I think Toner's gonna have unless he's really kind of going up against you know even Etzebit for a whole game. I think over most locks at six foot ten he's gonna have he's a force in the lineout. Like it's yep. just, but I mean it's. It's, can Ireland dictate the game that way? Like, can Ireland force it into a grudge match? When no other team this year has been able to force it in a grudge match. Even South Africa, they got them for 40 minutes, but the like second half, they just came through and absolutely blitzed us. Or blitzed them. So um, I can see something similar happening to us where we might be able to keep it tied for 40-50 and then all of a sudden the wave of replacements are going to come on and it's, uh, it could be like every other game this year where they just run away with it at the end. The thing coming into this match is that we normally base New Zealand from their performances against Australia, against South Africa and Argentina. But in this year's rugby championship, South Africa, now they beat us in the summer, have been left wanting, seriously, mm-hmm. under Alistair Kutsia. Their pack and, and backline just hasn't worked. And Australia are frustrating to watch. They still have Pocock. They still have Stephen Moore, Quade Cooper and Bernard Foley. Huge names. Israel Flau, and yet they're in a misfiring as well. Can... Can we? Can have we? Are we able to judge this All Blacks team off of those those teams? And you you can like and just like I think Wales is the closest side that has come close to beating them this year. And by close, I mean like within fourteen points, so within two tries. Like that's the closest anybody's got. Every other team has been beaten by twenty or more points. So like we're thirteen to one underdogs. I can see exactly why we're thirteen to one underdogs. <laughs> Never even mind just the history of us as a as a tortured rugby nation against against the All Blacks. But just in general, this team is just. They've completely blitzed every single team that's even come close to them. And, you know, maybe 
I mean, when when you really start pick, pinning back like factors like jet lag, like you're really reaching for straws. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just hoping like, oh god, I hope we maybe catch them on an off day. I hope they're 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 struggling to sleep in. Like you don't know, you don't know. Maybe they're making a couple of late night, you know, alarm calls at like yeah. the hotel, the All Blacks hotel, trying to get them up at four a.m. Maybe try and disrupt them that way. But I think this is an Irish team in transition. I think this is a team that I'm hoping a lot of good players will be given chances. I really want to see Josh van der Flair get another opportunity, a flanker. He's someone that I really think deserves time. And I think we should be throwing these kind of guys in there to see what they have because you're not going to come up against a better side. I think probably put all the people that you want to out, see sink or swim because there is no. this is the most sink or swim game. Um, yeah. And then probably have a, a have a better look for the return test then. Uh, later on this month at the Aviva. Jack, you talked about making it a grudge, grudge match. Uh, Jerome Connor during the week said that he was surprised to see the physical linchpin of the Irish team, Sean O'Brien, had been left out of the squad. Dara, were you surprised that O'Mahony and O'Brien were left out considering that they actually do have one or two runs of games under, under the belt? Yeah, I, I'm mainly surprised actually with uh, Sean O'Brien. I mean, O'Mahony's only kind of just back from injury, but O'Brien has... He's been long-term Schmidt's number one choice. O'Mahony does have more minutes under his belt than O'Brien and has performed at a higher level than O'Brien. It was it three games to two games, though? Three, three yeah, games to two. Small, uh, yeah. Played 60 minutes at Thomond Park and O'Brien has played sparingly with yellow cards. But just <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just making that point. Um, but yeah, continue on. You were more surprised about O'Brien. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd be happy enough to see Van de Fleer because yep. he's been playing outstandingly for Leinster, one of the shining um, things they've had last season. And of course, when he came on against England, another person I, I must mention in the Six Nations, he was one of the best coming players coming through uh, at that stage. I think my favourite game of the Six Nations was actually against England, the one, one of them that we lost. And it was because we had Stuart McCluskey there. Jared Payne finally moved to fullback where I think he personally should be playing. Uh, we had Ulders Lan, I say, come in and we had J- Josh Van der Fleer. And those were the players that really shone for me. And they are all the ones that were the most hungry. Some of the older ones like O'Brien, they've experienced Heineken Cups. They've experienced Six Nations. It's the younger players I can see that, that are going to want to have a jab at the All Blacks. I, I just feel seeing Van der Fleer over O'Brien might be a good idea. But at the same time, O'Brien, he's been playing, he was playing pretty well when he was playing, I yeah. find. It's, it's interesting you're talking about O'Brien. Uh, personally, I would have thought about O'Mahony particularly with the injuries in the All Black second row, Manny's line-out ability is is phenomenal. And I would have thought that that's another area where we could have gotten some ground. You know, CJ Sander, he performs well in the line-out for Munster and he gets a lot of ball. But Josh van der Fleer, you know, isn't a line-out forward, whereas O'Mahony would be. True, yeah. But also Sean O'Brien <coughs> was, you know, phenomenal last time they played the All Blacks I know it's a different team but he was also man of the match and his ball carrying ability I just feel against the All Blacks over oh, Richie McCall's not even playing I, I think horrible. you have to go with the two form guys I think you have to go with Stander yeah. and, and Van der Flair just because O'Matney and O'Brien at best at their day and when they're fully healthy they're the best two flankers in Ireland I don't think it's I don't think it's really close to be honest um, assuming CJ is going to be obviously deployed as number 8 then in that scenario but at the moment I just think watching O'Brien against Connacht on the weekend he just he needs a couple more games before he gets back to that level but especially before he starts playing international rugby he just doesn't have that same real pep in his step yet and his real I suppose ball carrying which is really what if you want Sean O'Brien on your team you want him to be making consistently you know four or five metres over the game line every time which he's more than capable of doing but I think on current form I think 
yeah, I think Stando's been consistently one of the best players in Ireland for the last three years. Um, and I think, you know, Jamie Heaslip has been very fortunate that I suppose his ascent has also coincided with Sean O'Brien's and, and Peter O'Mantney's injuries, injury runs. And then Josh van der Fleer in his own right has just been absolutely phenomenal. Just is, And even his ball running this year, I've been really impressed by just because especially he's coming off off-season ankle surgery as well. So, it's great to see which him. is always kind of like you're always kind of a bit iffy if someone's coming off ankle surgery if they're going to be running the same. Especially, I mean, I've seen McKean Healy his array of injuries. He just hasn't been running the same last season. This season he looks a little bit better in that department. But O'Brien's ball carrying has been really good, and then his just defensive work and his work around the breakdown is just absolutely. I don't think there's. It's hard to. I can't think off the top of my head someone that probably gets the more breakdowns in Ireland than, than Josh Van der Fleur. Yeah, Jack, you talked about it earlier the, the difference in team and, and Keane Healy coming off the back of that line score where he suffered, a, frankly, a horrendous injury mm. against the Western Force from right. Coming back against the All Blacks, he had a brace on one, if not two, of his angles, which looked closer to being on Robocop than they did to, <laughs> to straps. Um, in the last. Jack McGrath actually made his debut two matches before that and in the 36 games since that uh, Jack McGrath has been involved in 35 of them Mm -hmm. and um, over half of those he's been starting or being substituted by Keane Healy. Isn't it incredible that someone of McGrath's talent is being undermined by a Keane Healy who hasn't even been fit Mm. for three years? Mm. Well, the thing I was puzzled by last year was, I mean, we talked about it a couple of times on the show, just why the IRFU decided to give Keane Healy the central contract when Jack McGrath was got the Leinster contract. I would have thought that Jack McGrath would be the guy of the future that you would want to pin down. I know Keely at his best days, at his absolute peak, was, from my opinion, if he wasn't the best prop, loose head prop in the world, he was definitely top three. You know, he wasn't, it wasn't close for me, but it just, he's been so debilitated by injuries over the last couple of years. But Jack McGrath's age, I think he's only now, he's 27? 25 or 26. Yeah, 25, 26. So he's really kind of coming into his kind of prime as a prop. I think he's the one that, that should be built around the future. And I hope that, you know, given the, the, the riches of French talent and English club rugby talent, and then when you got guys like Andrew Porter coming through at Leinster, I hope that Leinster really aren't looking back in maybe two years going, what were we doing there? We really should have tried to keep on to this guy. But that's a, that's a separate scenario. But for the moment, yeah, I think Jack McGrath, I think it's it's clear since the Six Nations, and I don't think anything has changed in the six months or so since the Six Nations has ended, that he still is our, our, our number one um, loose head prop. Another player is John Ryan, just while we're talking about props. He's worked his way into that squad with Tyke Furlong, probably in the starting jersey. I'd say so, yeah. You mentioned Joey, uh, or I'm going to mention Joey Carver. You mentioned Billy Holland. It's great to see some players like this involved and actually rewarded per form, Mm. or by their form, I mean. Mm. But this is what I mentioned earlier on, just guys like that being thrown into the deep end, seeing if they have have it or not. Because with Paddy Jackson's out, and I know that's a completely different situation as well and we'll see how that, that process plays out with him up in, in Belfast with those uh, allegations but his I suppose absence has created a hole for Joey Carvey to come into the team and he's been phenomenal for Leinster he really has like I've actually enjoyed really just watching him play which I haven't said about an awful lot of Leinster backs over the last uh, what two seasons or so but he's been um, he's electric and especially even Connick in the weekend you see that guy in the open field in the open space and he just makes people miss routinely and it's 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 not a bad attribute to have in an Irish team where there's not an awful lot of, especially inside backs, um, that would be making people miss routinely. I think it's safe to say that none of us are particularly hopeful about coming away from Chicago with a win. But with three November tests coming after, one again with the All Blacks, 
Is there a particular aspect of Ireland's play that you want to see perform against the against uh, New Zealand coming into the, these other three fixtures? Well, I would like to see like a real nice attacking rugby kind of going on because we've always kind of played with that kind of little grit against them, and uh, I mean it doesn't it's never worked really before. And as Jack was saying earlier, you can't power through them the same way South Africa tried; it just doesn't work. With New Zealand, you do have to play defensively, I suppose, but at the same time. If you don't score points against New Zealand, they will score points against you. So they, you need to keep the clock ticking over. Not the, sorry, the clock, the, the points on the board. Um, so if we can just score tries, as many as we can, kick them over even, anything, just points, points, points is what you need to beat them. And Jack, combination-wise, player-wise, aspects of, of play, game plan, is there anything that you want to see Ireland doing ahead of the other three fixtures, which Canada, Australia-wise, are probably a bit more winnable? I think against the All Blacks specifically, I just think I'd like to see us really have a strong line speed and just really work on that and try to get into their faces because I think South Africa laid the blueprint even though they got absolutely demolished in the second half. But that first half was about as good as anyone's up to play the All Blacks and they really forced them into a lot of errors. They really got up in their face and, and made them make some mistakes. So I think that that's the best way to try and take this team. But then again, look, you can play great for the first five minutes and come up and get in their face and really hold a good line speed. Everyone looks switched on, but it's it's that, it's that the last 15 minutes. It's the last, it's the 70th minute, you know, when they're bringing guys like Seth Valley on or Rico, Rico Ioni or Damien McKenzie or whoever they're going to throw at us who's going to yeah. probably, uh, you know, make a, make a couple of highlight reels. It's, um, and, I think and, it's I think it's that you have to be prepared for. Because I don't think, I just don't think, I just can't see, from what, what I'm watching this year, I just can't see you making a dogfight against this team. I just, for the whole game, I just I haven't seen evidence that anyone's been able to do that. And I just can't see us being the first ones to do it. Yeah, and, and on the back of that, those last 10 minutes are actually only important if you've been concentrating for the other 70. Exactly. Which is something that New Zealand have exposed in South Africa. Uh, in Christchurch. Guys, thanks very much for coming in. This has been our uh, week's version of the Ruby Podcast on Action Replay Extra Time. Thanks again. Thank you, Bob. Lads, this is same as our Maldi. This is a psychological confrontation here. They want to win the game line. They want to get over us. They want to step their party up. Same as Maldi, same as Scrum. We don't let it happen, lads. It's an insult for us to play a game. And each year, and these are here. No!